week's edition of The Golfing Mind. This is a podcast which looks at the game of golf in general, but more specifically the mental game of golf, the, the mind science, the brain works, the, uh, the noggin, um, the part of our body which uh, influences most of our decision making and feelings, and yet the part of our body we seem to give the least attention to in developing its skill set. I remember the second podcast I created in this uh, podcast was called the 80-20 rule. It's the single most listened to podcast of all the podcasts. And um, it looks at the fact that 80% of the of golf comes down to our mental ability, not our mechanical ability. And that's professionals that say that. That's teachers that say that. They say it's 80% mental, 20% mechanical. And yet, time after time, we go and spend money down the range, hitting balls as hard as we can with no real thought in our head as to uh, what we're doing, uh, other than trying to possibly work on one or two small mechanical aspects. I've uh, written books on this subject because it fascinates me. My first book was Silent Mind Golf, and um, I mean, it's not for me to say, it's a wonderful book, but as no one else is saying it at this point, it's best I do. It is a wonderful book. It not only shows you uh, how the mind works, it gives you exercises to help you develop the mental skills you might need to um, improve your golf uh, rapidly. Uh, when I say you might need, you definitely need them if you don't have them. <clears throat> anyway, today I wanted to um, look at something that has sort of always been of interest to me. I mean, there's so much of this game that uh, fascinates me, but the bit in particular is this notion. When I talk to players uh, and I ask them, what is it you want to get out of your golf game? You know, if I speak to the average amateur golfer, they will tell me, um, I want to get better. That's it. You know, they don't say to me, I want to reduce my strokes per round. I want to get my handicap down because it's inferred that that's just, that's just a given. You know, it's just a given they want to get significantly better. And um, so I said to them, well, what are you doing about it? And they go, well, I'm, I've bought some new clubs. I'm getting new lessons. I've just bought this device. I, you know, and it strikes me that people often look for a, a shortcut. And I know I do. I, good heavens, if you look up the word lazy in the dictionary, you'll find, a, you'll see a photograph of me. I, I spent my life looking for shortcuts. You know, if somebody had a six days to a six pack, I wouldn't buy it if I discovered there was a five days to a six pack um, system out there, which I can tell you there isn't. And, uh, but it's, when we talk about practice, um, too often people practice um, with a sense of duty. I'm going to practice because I need to practice. And if that's your approach, you sh shouldn't bother. And I don't mean that to be dismissive. I mean it because what you don't focus your attention onto, it's very unlikely you'll see any significant change in. So I always talk about practice with purpose. Now people think that means they have to go down to the driving range or they have to sit in a stool and do some meditation exercises. And yes, you could include that, but that, that's not what I mean. I, when I talk about practice, I include the practice swing. Um, Charles Cuddy once said, if you're not prepared somewhere in the quiz, there are going to be questions you can't answer. And I think that's true of golf. If we're not prepared for the task ahead of ourselves, we're gonna find our lack of knowledge exposed. So there are certain experiences on the golf course that few players will ever encounter during their lifetimes. 
Not everyone will enjoy the sensation of a hole-in-one, uh, I've had two by the way, or imparting backspin with a lob wedge. Very few of us will ever enjoy the power rush of hitting a drive over 300 yards, and sadly, I'm pretty sure none of us will walk through the men's locker room and be universally admired and envied for our ability. <clears throat> Yet, we all have one area of shared experience, hitting a provisional drive. How often have you hit your drive, your tee shot, so far offline that without hesitation, everyone agrees it's gone, it's lost, it's toast, it's history. Before it even has landed somewhere, someone says, you'd better hit a provisional. I don't know why I made that voice American. I don't do a good American voice, but you'd better hit a provisional. Or in Scotland, you'd better hit a provisional. For a golfer, these five words are as close to comforting as we're likely to hear. We have hit a drive that is so truly awful, we don't even bother getting angry because we're in shock. In contrast, the provisional shot more often than not goes exactly as intended, straight down the middle of the fairway. And the thought pops into our minds, or we say to our playing partners, why couldn't I do that the first time? Why indeed? Our ease with provisional shots reveals much that can help us improve our mental game. There are many factors to consider. As we watch our first drive sail deep into the wilds of the rough or the unforgiving lake, a certain pressure is taken off our shoulders. That self-imposed weight of negative expectation. This weight of expectation generally occurs when we try too hard, or rather than swing with a natural flowing motion, we try to control the ball to the very best of our ability. Paradoxically, this very act of trying introduces tension to our swing, the last thing we want. Once the first ball is gone, we relax and do not waste too much time in hitting the second shot. This weekend just gone, I was down at Royal St George's where the Open Championship was played this year to play that competition with friends. And uh, after the first day I was leading, and it was a two-day event, and I was relaxed and comfortable and I got to the turn in 43 in a very strong wind and that included a triple bogey. So I was thinking to myself, I'm playing well. I got to the 10th hole and immediately I thought to myself, wait a second, you're leading this tournament. Okay, let's just put the ball in the fairway. Now with all my knowledge and all my experience, I should be able to follow my own advice, but even I could feel myself getting tense and trying too hard to get the ball in the fairway, which resulted in a number of pulls left and even a push right. And that I hit three provisional balls and they were all in the middle of the fairway. So it comes down to not getting ahead of yourself. You see, when we're under pressure, we become more self-aware, more conscious of our surroundings, our thoughts and feelings. As a consequence, we try to be more in control than is necessary or normal and become tense or stressed. Small things that previously we would have ignored now annoy us. On the golf course, anxiety about hitting a bad shot makes us try harder, but what we need to do is to focus on the outcome and relax. So let's go back to the tee box. 
where tens due to the state of the game absolutely have to find the middle of the fairway. Under pressure, we attempt to overcome the strain with increased effort. But we find this manifests itself as tension in our movements. Rather than a free-flowing automatic swing, if we were able to hit the first tee shot with the usual ease and efficiency with which we hit our provisional tee shots, we would hit a higher percentage of good first drives. If we practice as we intend to play, we will increase the probability that we will play like we practice. I hope that makes sense. On the tee, I believe we should make a full practice swing exactly as we wish to strike the ball. A few gentle waggles to take the tension out of your arms is excellent, but unless we play golf for a living, we will not have the consistent quality of strike we would like. Taking a full practice swing over each and every shot can only help. The challenging part is making the strike on the ball that counts in the game. And that is where confidence and commitment comes in. If you don't have the confidence to make a committed swing, you will almost certainly try to steer the ball off the tee or hit it softly in the hope that it's okay. Let me give you another example that I'm sure you're familiar with. We're just off the green and we have a delicate chip over a bunker. The ball is in a tight lie, so we have to make a clean contact. A delicate shot is called for, requiring soft hands, good touch and finesse. There is no way to putt or bump and run the ball. We have come to our moment of truth on the golf course. We know we cannot drive like the pros, but surely we can chip the ball somewhere onto the green. Out comes a lob wedge and we walk up to the ball. Visualize the shot and take anything from 5 to 15 beautiful practice swings, any one of which would do the job admirably. admirably. Then we step up to the ball and produce a swing that bears absolutely no resemblance to our practice swing. Most people hit it heavy or thin it into the bunker, with the odd ball being shanked or sailing over the green as a result of it being bladed. I would argue that our swing has not failed us, because we haven't hit the ball with our swing We've hit it more in hope than conviction. Our confidence has failed us. At the last moment, we have stopped swinging the club as we have practiced and simply tried to control the physical aspects of the club head's flight to get it under the ball and create lift. Too many thoughts, too much self-awareness, all caused by too much tension, leads us to lose confidence. When we hit it heavy into the bunker or thin it over the green, we are never completely surprised or shocked because we have expected it. We don't plan to lose confidence, just we believe we really will hit the ball with commitment. It's just at the very last moment we move from the state of trust to the state of trying. This change is very destructive, not only in the golf course with a delicate chip, but in life in general. A proper practice swing which replicates the real swing we want to make is an excellent part of our pre-shot routine when we experience tension on the course. It helps remove tension from the muscles and allows us to feel and experience the swing we wish to make. It also slows us down and stops us rushing to hit a shot without thought or attention. The old hit and hope technique. Most professionals take a full practice swing before almost every shot. Applied consistently, visualizing the shot we want to make through a practice swing will improve our tee shots and mean we're far less likely to hear the words, you had better hit a provisional. And yet, so often, 
I see people take half-hearted practice swings without any thought behind it. So my thought for you this week is take a complete proper practice swing as you intend to hit the ball. It won't hurt you at all, I promise you. Now, if you're really serious about the mental game of golf, I'd love to invite you to take part in the online program at Seager Golf, the Silent Mind Golf 13-week program, which is full of MP3s, videos, downloadable forms, and it really makes a big difference to helping you train your mind for the mental game. Um, and that's it for this week. I uh, thought the Ryder Cup was a wonderful Ryder Cup for the Americans. There's no doubt about it. And the momentum, the energy, the confidence, their tails are up. So many congratulations to Steve Stricker and his team. And to the Europeans, I have no doubt they will lick their wounds, learn from the experience and come back on fire as my prediction for Rome in two years time until we speak again wherever you are in the world play great golf keep your balance finish your swing and enjoy the game